0: Anyone who's pondered the curious deals that go between sports teams and municipalities has to wonder about how the interests of the public are properly balanced with that of the team owners. Maybe more correctly, one would soon have to wonder how and why the interest of the public is not well cared for compared to that of wealthy sports team owners. From our previous base in Sacramento, we pondered the shenanigans that swirled around the Sacramento Kings. We did not see that the public interest got looked after properly and From our current base in Alameda County, we find ourselves intrigued by a fine bit of reporting in the East Bay Times about how the Oakland Raiders flew the coop to Las Vegas. Author Jason Cole is a longtime sports writer and investigative reporter, a combination we'd like to see more of, frankly, and has put together a report deserving of discussion. Mr. Cole has earned numerous awards and honors for his work. He's covered the NFL and other sports for the Miami Herald, the Fort Lauderdale Sun-Sentinel, Bleacher Report, and Yahoo Sports. The Jason Cole piece we were impressed by last month appeared as a special investigation for the East Bay Times. We can scarcely do better in introducing it to you than by quoting its opening paragraphs, which are, this is the mystery of 189 million dollars in public money and how the Raiders, the City of Oakland, and Alameda County made it disappear. It is also a 25-year story of bartering, negotiating and rewriting agreements aimed at keeping the football team in the Bay Area, yet somehow making it even easier for the Raiders to leave for Las Vegas after the 2019 season. Over the course of that quarter century, the team, city, and county completed a financial transaction so complicated and drawn out that it's befitting of the great illusionists appearing on the Vegas Strip. To which we must add, dear listener, that's even worse than you might guess from that colorful beginning. While it said the devil's in the details, Jason Cole has pulled up some jaw-dropping details that point to multiple apparent devils. Mr. Cole co-authored the investigation of Reggie Bush and USC that led to Bush relinquishing the Heisman Trophy and SC being stripped of its 2004 national football title. This current report details how loans should have tied the Raiders to Oakland. Instead, Thanks to questionable decisions by the city and county authorities, financial obligations were negated. Owner Mark Davis then slipped his team out of town like a traveling circus, leaving Oakland and Alameda County holding the bag. We thought it'd be great to have Jason Cole talk with us about this provocative piece. We're happy to report he has agreed to do so, allowing us to be able to say welcome to Radio Parallax, Jason Cole.
1: (laughs) It is wonderful to be here. Thank you.
0: Well, Jason, most people are vaguely aware, I think, that, that, that Oakland gave Al Davis a sweet deal to come back from L.A. in, in 1995, and, and many are aware of the Raiders leaving a second-time hand of the city and county some big bills. But two years out now, most people would probably figure that what's done is done, and you decided to not let it go. So what led you to, to revive this story?
1: Well, I've been aware of this for a number of years, probably going back three or four years, that... You know, there were some bills that were piling up for the Raiders, right? And there was interest on this loan that was growing and getting close to $200 million. It was closing in on it. Um, and, you know, that was on the books. And then you say, okay, if this is on the books, don't they have to pay it back? And then you find out, well, no, it's a non-recourse loan. And, okay, well, then, you know, how do they deal with taxes? Well, they don't because <laughs> because they rewrote the loan. And you just you go through it, and you go through it, and you go through it, and you sit there and go... How the hell does this happen? You run down documents, and then you try and get a hold of people. And, you know, sadly, a number of the people who are involved in this are dead. Um, So, you know, they can't answer. Or it changed hands so many times that the people who may have started with the agreement aren't the ones who finished with the agreement, if that makes sense. It's complex, and it took a number of months to figure out exactly... You know how this how this happened once I got to the point where, hey, look, I know this debt exists. I know it's out there. What does it really mean?
0: Let's clarify what lumps of money all this involves there There are three loans in the picture, and it is all very complicated. even it takes I had to read your article several times to kind of really get the gist of it, but let us take up the first of of two loans. One was for those upgrades Al Davis demanded for luxury box, et cetera. It was a loan for stadium improvement something like $85 million. Right. The second was for a training facility, yes. something like $10 million more. Rather amazingly, I thought they were supposed to be paid via stadium revenues, but that was a very weak revenue stream. And you just mentioned that phrase, non-recourse, which I think begs uh, some further explanation. Can you, can, you, can you explain what that means?
1: Okay, I'll start from the end, which is what is a non-recourse loan? Non-recourse means I can't take recourse to get the money back. Like, okay. I can't sue you. Okay. In other words, I... I That's what what that term of art means legally. So, you know, I loan you this money, and, you know, you don't pay me back later. And it's it's basically a forgiven loan. But a forgiven loan also still has tax implications, right? Like you can't just say, okay, I loaned you this money now. You've got this money, and you don't have to worry about it. It now becomes income if that happens. So non-recourse still has sort of a, a practical side of it. Um, it's not a get out of jail free card, um, and that's not what it's supposed to be. But they eventually turned this agreement into a get out of jail free card. And look, non-recourse loans are not unique to only sports teams. I don't want to paint that. I don't want to paint a misconception right. in this one, right? Like there are lots of you know private businesses that get non-recourse loans. They get encouraged. They get tax breaks. Things happen, but they're usually done for companies like. Disney or, you know, for Boeing, um, that employ, you know, literally hundreds, if not thousands of people and make millions and millions of dollars and do things that help the general infrastructure of the community that they're involved in over a long, long period of time. You know, Disney World in, in, um, in Florida is a classic example of something that drove revenues for the state of Florida for years and years and years, and still does, you know, and encourages, you know, tourism. So giving them a, you know, basically a a tax relief by creating a tax district for them was a good thing. In this case, you got a football team, and then you lost it. So that didn't really work. Now to get back to the loans themselves that you're talking about, there were three loans in this deal. You described Uh the first two, which were the upgrades to the stadium, which were necessary um to you know make it a, a place that more befitting a, of a team and to sell tickets and to get people to come in and you know all the things that you want them to do on game days, right So those needed to be done or you were just going to have to build a new stadium and they were not prepared to do, build a new stadium at the time so they had to do the upgrades. Those were you know bonded out. The second one is you had to have a place for them to play, which was the facilities loan, which was 10 million dollars and a plot of land. That deal is actually a pretty fair deal, because they got this plot of land in Alameda, but the terms of that of that deal were, okay, we're going to give you $10 million to go build a building for your team you know, to work out uh-huh. and to practice on and to house you. When you're done with it, we get the land back and we get the building. So in other words, the, the city paid essentially 10 million dollars for the Raiders to go and build them a building that they were going to get back that you know they can continue to use or rent out or is at a minimum going to increase the value like it's an improved piece of property at that point in time so that's a fair deal for the city and the county to do that to do that deal the real problem becomes the third loan
0: i was saving that <laughs> because it's it's a barn burner
1: yeah i know you're saving that and we'll and we'll and we'll get to that next. And so I won't I won't steal your question, but that's the one that becomes the problematic one. The first two are pretty standard fair stuff.
0: Well, I, when I read your article, I just found it hard to believe that that Al Davis and this third loan was given fifty four million in cash for relocating costs, and I guess whatever else he wanted to spend it on, and that too was to be paid back by these these stadium revenues. But you pointed out that. Um, the earnings were not doing such a great job in in this case of paying paying all well, that Well, and back. they
1: weren't designed to. Just just saying okay. so you know, that they were never designed okay. to pay back the full amount of the loan. All right, they were just they were just sort of an operational cost. But you know, the city and county were going to get some money out of this.
0: And I guess they got forty million dollars from this revenue stream and rent on, 20, this, on
1: 25, this... 25. I, I Look, I know the, de- the the details are tough, but they you know over the twenty five years they basically got twenty five million dollars. Out of that operation, all right, which is you know which is okay, and um, but the the trick is that that fifty four million dollars attached to it was a percentage increase, a compounded interest rate of a little more than six percent. Okay, well, if you compound interest, you know, on fifty four million dollars. Uh-huh. You're pretty quickly at a hundred million dollars, like within the first ten years, they were at a hundred million dollars in the in you know in your original principal and your and your loan. Okay, sure. it's it's you know it's not unlike buying a house, right? It's a, it's sure. a mortgage. You now most sure. people, you know, your mortgage is at three to four percent. This is at six, so it's higher. But this is a business cost, right? Well, that was compounding and compounding, and again, it was a non recourse loan. Once. Once the Raiders, you know, the Raiders technically did not have to pay back the loan. The trick is, though, that, again, if you don't pay it back, it becomes income. And if, you, if it becomes income, there's a lump sum of tax due on that income, right? Okay. And, you know, at $189 million, which is what it was as of June 2020 when the Raiders left. They owed $189 million. That should have been federal and state tax worth, I don't know, $40, $60 million, you know, between the Fed and the Franchise Tax Board for the state of California. Right. There there should have been money there. Well, what the city and county did in 2005 is they changed the terms of the loan. And so now let's, let's just remember that little piece of property, right? that I talked about before, the yeah. training facility property. The terms of that loan on that, that second loan for the facilities were, once you leave, the way that the loan is satisfied is, you just give us back the property. You give us the property, you give us the building. We get that, it's all good, you go on your merry way. Nice, fair deal. Well, in 2005, the, the city and the county said, well, by the way, not only do you satisfy that loan, facilities loan by returning the property we're going to let you satisfy the operations loan and so and and in 2005 that was already worth close to 100 million dollars and event and again eventually grew by 2020 to 189 million dollars and so the trick is that okay you change the language of the loan now when we leave and we give you back the keys to the building and we give you the property back, not only do we not owe you the facilities loan, we don't owe you for the operation. And that's what they did in returning that property. And as Roger Knoll from Stanford, I assume you're about to quote it. Yes, I am. Well, <laughs> go, you, I'll let you, you do you, it. You go, you go ahead and read that quote. It's a great
0: piece run. of comedy from your bit. You, you include a quote from the Stanford Economist who described the deal as, Getting the bank to accept the title on your doghouse as payment for your home
1: loan—it's <laughs> exactly what it was. That's and 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 I'm assuming now there are some tax people who you know I've talked to since then. But the one tax person I talked to initially said, "Look, I think this relieves them of the the income tax burden, both on the state and on the, on the federal level. That's like another sixty million dollars, forty to sixty million dollars that just gets wiped away." Which was, in essence, a large bit of leverage. And also, look, I think it's arguable based on what I've read. This is a very difficult agreement. And I've tried to explain it as simply as I possibly can. Sure. But as one of the people who negotiated said to me, said, it's a complex agreement that very few people have ever read and even fewer people understand. And so, in the grand scheme of things, There was a question here about whether that final loan, the operations loan, was truly non recourse. And if it wasn't, then maybe the Raiders were on the hook for the entire $189 million, not just the taxes for the relief on it. And at the end of the day, that was leverage for the city and the county to try and keep the Raiders or to get a better deal. Sure. Instead of just saying, okay, we're going to wipe it out, as I told the the editor who I was working with, Burt Robinson, who did a great job editing this piece uh, for the Bay Area News Group, which is the East Bay Times and a bunch of the other newspapers in the area, as I, as I said to him, it's like, look, your, your leverage with the Raiders at that point is to say, Look, if you don't want to deal with me and get a deal done with me, that's fine, okay? Go deal with the IRS and the state.
0: You you make it clear in the article, and you quoted Ezra Rappaport, who apparently was in on this whole deal, that he thought all the loans, all three of those loans were were non-recourse, but you point out that that third loan was not set up that way originally in 1995. That was changed. There is a
1: question about it, okay? Okay. Because the very first line of the section says, the loans are non-recourse, but then there is language that indicates that the third loan is not. I'm not. I'm not going to pretend to be a lawyer. Okay. All I will say is, it's a very good legal question as to whether the non-recourse portion, you know, the language also applies to that loan, given the way that it's written. That's that, and it's a fair question. And Henry Gardner, who runs the joint powers authority. He agreed with that. And, and and I think that Mr. Rapport, while I think he's accurate, saying this was intended to be non-recourse, he hasn't looked over those documents in, you know, more than a decade, is my guess. So he may not remember exactly what they read. And again, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of pages of documents.
0: Well, I hope in the wake of your article, he's broken them out and has given them a second look.
1: Yeah, sadly, he's, he's dealing with more pressing issues, you know, more pressing health issues. So I, I think at this point in time... All right. He's he's done with the issue. But that's but is one of the reasons why if I was Rob Bonta, you know, the attorney general for, for the state of California, who also happens to be from Alameda, or his wife who's an assemblywoman from that area, the Oakland, Alameda, uh-huh. you know, that whole area. If I was them with power, it's like I want to get to the bottom of how this happened. Because let me just say this the people who did not comment stunned me. Okay, the, the city attorney for the, you know for uh, for Oakland, Barbara Parker, her office declined to comment. The woman who was the lead lawyer for the Joint Powers Authority, the JPA, in in two thousand five, who you know helped negotiate this deal in two thousand five, when they changed the language of the operations loan and allowed that them to combine the facilities loan and the operations loan that allowed them to escape the tax burden. She wouldn't comment.
0: Yeah, I, I, wa- I want to stress that you, you tried to reach out to the, the Joint Powers Authority attorney, Dina McLean, supposed to be the person on top of all this. And she's, wouldn't you know it, she's retired to Utah and responded to your phone calls with, sorry, unable to help, please stop contacting me.
1: Uh, I, again, if I'm Rob Bonta and I read that, like, no, 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 no. We're going to answer the question, why did this happen?
0: And what about our county supervisors? Should they have been minding the store?
1: Of course they should have. They're the last line because they're the ones voting, right? So they're supposed to be defending, you know, what this is. But there are an awful lot of people who sit there and go, well, you know, there were just a lot of lawyers. And I didn't know the language. It's, 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 it's what you hear a lot of the time from senators and congresspeople who go, well, you know, it's a 400-page agreement. I wasn't able to read every page. <laughs> well, then what were you doing?
0: What are your we job? all
1: to do? Right. That's we pay you to do that, to know, to know what it's supposed to be, and so you, you you sit there and you're kind of flabbergasted, and and you th- and I can understand where somebody may not understand the the legalese, but that's where you go and you get somebody to explain it, and that somebody should not be the person necessarily who who negotiated it, okay, because they have their own self interest involved, perhaps, and so. You know, the, the, these things are, are, require a lot of digging and work. You made a good point in the introduction, which is why isn't you know, somebody doing a better job of minding the cash for these public entities, whatever public entity it is, right? Like certainly Santa Clara County um, is dealing with this, Sacramento is dealing with, the, you know, Oakland and Alameda are not the first. They just did it in a spectacular way that made for an interesting story for me to write. But lots of municipal interests have had problems dealing with athletic teams. And I think one of, the, one of the things you have to go back to is, look, there's a big difference between an attorney who's hired to work for the public and one who works in private industry. Just the caliber of people you get because of the amount of money that you pay. That's sad, but it's a sad reality that sports teams have the wherewithal and the power to go hire better people. The other thing is, the team has something that the community wants that it can't replicate somewhere else. They have the team. They have, you know, this sport, the sports team that the community wants to have as part of the whole cosmopolitan nature of being a big city. Like, okay, we've got great entertainment. You know, we've got museums, we've got symphonies, we've got sports teams. We have things to attract people to, to come to events. Where else on any Sunday, at any time, do you get... Sixty or eighty thousand people, or even ten or fifteen thousand on a weeknight, gathering for one event in the community. Not very often. It's usually around sports teams that make people happy. So the sports team inherently has both the emotional leverage and the strength in having better trained people on their side to negotiate these deals.
0: Well, Jason, you must be pleased, and I I certainly am, to note that the editors of the San Jose Mercury and East Bay Times are apparently getting on this bandwagon that you, Mr. Robinson, have have gotten going by now demanding that a grand jury testimony might be sought to ask people under oath some questions about all of this, and maybe even have the district attorney, Nancy O'Malley, probe it.
1: I'm all for finding the answers to questions that people don't have to answer to me yet, right? Mm -hmm. Like. When I was going through the Reggie Bush investigation, I was a big fan of depositions. I love depositions. (laughs) Okay. That means there's a judge and there's people under oath, and you got to tell the truth, right? I love stuff like that. Just to be honest, you know, I don't have the power to force people to testify under oath. They can either choose not to talk to me, or if they choose to talk to me, they can spin their own version. Sure of what they want the truth to be, and often that means lying. And you just do the best you can to find out if they're telling the truth or not, but you can't force them. Courts, that's a different matter. And so yes, I would very much like Rob Bonta to say, I want answers to what happened. I wanna know why these people accepted these terms and why did the state of California And in a larger sense, why the Fed? Why did we lose or the potential of tax money with the Raiders because of this deal? Answer me this. And why did we agree to a deal that allowed essentially the Raiders to leave scot free without any kind of tax burden? I'm not trying to portray here that the forty or fifty or sixty million dollars that they would have paid in taxes it was going to stop the Raiders from going to Las Vegas. Right. It maybe It probably would not. There was too much money to be had in Vegas. But it would have been a pain for them. And at least you would have gotten some money back on what you put out. You know, Maybe not the community directly. You're not in Oakland and Alameda, but the state would have gotten something back out of it. That needs to be taken care of. I mean, taxpayers not just in Oakland and Alameda should be concerned about this, but taxpayers throughout the entire state should be concern, concerned about this, going, hey, wait a sec. You know, that's money for us.
0: Sure. Well, if not the nation, when you see the number of these deals that go down everywhere you look.
1: Yeah, I mean, and again, look, I'm a sports guy, so at the end of the day, look, I want stadiums where teams can play. Yeah. You know, I don't think they have to be as elaborate as they are. You know, just like it was important way back when for, you know, the people of Rome to build the Colosseum. It was a gathering place for an exciting event. Okay. exciting events, right? Okay. I, I do believe in that. Okay. I don't sit here and say whatever you have to do to create the greatest Roman forum of all time for every team. No, no, you don't need to do that. But there's intrinsic value for communities to have adequate stadiums or to contribute to those stadiums for teams so that you have those kind of entertainment opportunities, those, those opportunities for your community gather together behind exciting events. I, I, I do think there's value to that. I will, I will disagree with people who say, Oh no! They should only pay their own freight. Yeah, not exactly. But there's a balance in there. Fair enough.
0: Well, as an Alameda County taxpayer, I do, I'm certainly applauding all that uh, you've done so far, and wondering: Are you are you still working any follow up on this?
1: Oh, I got my ear to the ground, but there's only so much I can do. You have to bring it to the community and say, "Okay, it's time for you guys to carry, you know, carry the ball across the goal line." I can only run it this far. I don't have the fa- the power. To compel Dina McLean or Barbara Parker to talk, I, 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 I simply don't. There has to be public pressure in one of various ways, and that's whether it's the election process where people you know threaten to vote them out, or you know the investigative process which is run by people like the Attorney General to say you know what happened. And, and again, I'm not accusing anybody of you know doing something illegal. Am I suspicious that something illegal might have happened? Maybe. You know, I, I wonder. But I don't know that. Right. And to say that is, is irresponsible. I'm, I'm not accusing anybody of being dishonest. But I do want answers. Why did you do this? And the only way to do that is to get people with authority and power to say, okay, we want answers on these things. And we can, com- we can compel you to do that, whether that's in a grand jury or whether that's some other method. You need to show up and you need to say, why did you do this?
0: Fair enough. We're keen to see what's going to happen next. Uh, and perhaps we can touch base with you in a couple of months to, s- to see what has transpired.
1: God, I hope so. That'd be nice. All right. I'd, I'd like to know. I'd like to know where it ends up because I spent five years chasing Reggie Bush around. <laughs> they finally, you know, forced him to give up his Heisman. He he did not give it away um, without doing kick and screaming. Let's just put it that way.
0: Well, good for you. Our guest has been Jason Cole, a sports writer but also an investigative journalist, whose combined skills produced the article in the East Bay Times titled "How the Raiders Made 189 Million Dollars in Taxpayer Money Vanish." If you've not read it, we suggest you find it online and do so. And uh, check out the follow-up editorial in the San Jose Mercury and East Bay Times, which suggests that an investigation of how the Raiders walked away from these giant loans is warranted. Jason, thank you so much.
1: It's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right.
0: That about does it. Our thanks again to Jason Cole for speaking with us. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. We'll see if we can't address the question of Ukraine on next week's program. We'll see you then.